Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? And welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. And this is our... Our next look, John Hughes and his tunes. The tunes that he put on his iconic 80s films cue. And, um, I mean, if you couldn't tell by the song that played us in there, we're talking about Weird Science today. Which, weird science. everybody, science. I, I mean, instantly, that's what you hear in your head, right? Everybody hears the Oingo Boingo song. Yeah. When, when the two words, weird and science, are said together. Instantly. Now, I feel like we should know this. But I didn't look into it at all. Did they write that song for the movie? Sure does sound like something that we should know. Surely they did, right? Yeah, yes, it is, yes. Uh, it is the theme song. Well, that doesn't really tell me if they're... Hold on, <laughs> Q. Yes, listen to this. Right, here we go. <laughs> Dude, we're learning stuff On the right fucking now. fly. We're pulling this one out of our look, ass man, a little bit, Sometimes, friends. you know, sometimes we do a lot of preparation for an episode. Sometimes we just show up turn on the mics and start chatting and this is one of those moments although obviously we both watched the film before those before the episode all right at least we did something we did we did and we'll get into that listen to this here the song was written spontaneously by elfman as in danny elfman if you didn't know that Mm. in the car while driving home to los angeles after a phone call from john hughes asking him to write a song for the movie of the same name. So you just imagine him. He's like, what's it going to be called, John? Weird science? Okay. And then he's just driving home. Weird science? You know what I mean? Just like having a blast with that name. From my heart and from my head. Exactly. <laughs> I can see it away. now. But yeah, that's kind of cool. So. Yes. So we're talking about weird science. We're talking about weird science. Today. Was this, so this was John Hughes' second film, right? No, Breakfast Club, it came out uh, since then. Okay. So it was, that's right. We skipped over Breakfast yeah, Club. Yeah, it was. Um, okay. It was Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science. Anyway, so yeah, Q, before we get into this movie and all the shenanigans that went down, just like last week with Sixteen Candles, there are plenty of shenanigans to be had in this film. Oh, Even yeah. more so, I would say. The, the shenanigans get wackier. Well, let's just say, man, they, they hit on a lot of those tropes again. Yes, but I mean, at least with this film, you get to have a little bit of science fiction fun, you know? 
Oh, and they had a blast with it, man. There's some things that happen in this film. Oh, my God. That are absurd. But anyway, yeah, before we dude. do that, Q, I know that you're feeling the same way right now about this podcast. I'm feeling the love, I'm man. F- I'm floating around, dude. I've been floating around my house all day. And I needed, <laughs> I needed this after the debate last night. Yeah, I can't tell you, dude. dude. I'm, I'm exhausted. I too, was man. down in the dumps because of the shit show that we were forced to watch as a country last night. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. And then we got a we got a, a tweet. Uh, we got a mention from somebody on Twitter who was a listener. Yeah, we got a Tim mention. Wait, what? <laughs> Tim mention. He's a he's a comedian. Oh, I don't know what that. You would hate him because he's a he's a musical comedian. So. Oh, he's he's one of those guys. No wonder you don't know him. So yeah. Um, I don't know her. I don't know if this is her real name, but I'm just going to call her RG because that's what her display name is. RG. She uh, she recommended our podcast queue in response to somebody asking for podcast recommendations. Yeah, we got a little mention from her, which was beautiful. Dude, I can't tell you the language that she used. Q. Touched my soul. My, my, my cheeks have never been rosier as far as like <laughs> blushing, you know. <laughs> she said, Q... That we are her favorite album review podcast. Just so damn good. Mm. Damn. Thank you, RG. That is something. I mean, hey, I love to hear it. Yep. You know what? It keeps me going. Keeps me going. Keeps the keeps the spark alive. Um, that is the that is the kind of the kind of motivation that that uh, that we need to keep this thing afloat. So thank you, RG, for listening. Yes. And I also want to thank her because her mention of us and the people that read that and are now following us, that bumped us over to 100 followers. Dude. On the tweeters. We finally have 100 followers. How long do you we think it did. took? It took long enough. Dude, joined. Here we go. This is sad. We've been <laughs> on Twitter since December of 2017. Yeah. It took us almost three years to get 100 followers. How long do you think it took but Kim dude, Kardashian we, we to get 100 We weren't really followers? that active. No. Until, that's very true. And, yeah, until we, until we joined um, Pantheon Pods. PantheonPods.com. Yeah. PantheonPodcast.com. But yeah. Anyway. So thank you for that. Um, yes. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Those out there who want to follow us on Twitter. It's at No Filler Podcast. Um, we're not, we're not very active. But um, if more people communicate with us on there, you know. I'd be more active on there. Totally. And you know what? Uh, we are we are in the works trying to be better about about uh, the tweet. The yeah. Tweeters, we're know? trying to get better. So anyway, yeah. um, thank you again. And let's just keep on rolling here, Q. Let's keep it going. By keep it going, I mean let's start. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a weird film. You see what I did? <laughs> um, it was different. Like it, 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 it didn't feel like a John Hughes film. No. And I think that was probably intentional on his part to, to kind of mix it up a little bit and do something. I mean, it was still, it was still a film about teenagers and their shenanigans. I'm going to see how many times yes. I can say shenanigans or shenanigans in this episode, but he, he gets, um, his go-to awkward teenager who is, has aged quite a bit since uh, 16 Candles, you know, uh, when we see him in this film. But he gets Michael Anthony Hall 
to come back. He's kind of the, the lead character. Him and this other guy. And basically the gist of it is a couple of nerds are enamored with um, females as, as you know, teenage, awkward teenage boys typically uh, are. And um, they're sitting there, you know, that opens with them in their gym clothes, all oogling and, and swooning, and, yeah, just swooning about yeah. some cheerleaders uh, warming up. And gymnastics and stuff like that going on. And then, you know, long story short, they're like, hey, what if we used your fancy system? I like how in 80s films, computers are always called systems, which I think is funny. It's like, just do it on your system. Um, the other character, what are their names? Let's get their names so real quick. So, their character names are, are Gary and Wyatt. Okay. Which one's Wyatt? The other guy. Uh, Wyatt is the computer, okay. computer guy. Okay. So, Wyatt yeah. is the computer geek. And yeah, they're watching. They're watching the 1931 classic Frankenstein. Yes, there you and go. And then Gary goes, "Oh my gosh, that's it! Why don't we use your computer skills? Why don't we use and your create system? Create our own woman." Yeah, and you know, there's this really funny kind of um, generic computer hacking. Yeah, so they like hack into I don't know the military computer, like the mainframe to get more computer power. And then, you know, there's a classic like, oh, the entire city is just blowing up now because all all this power is just running all through this one computer. And they get as much power as they can to create this woman out of his home computer system. Dude, my favorite part is when they started cutting out pictures from magazines and like feeding it into the computer system (laughs) like a picture of albert einstein to give her because she's smart a high iq yeah Yeah. and then all these just different pictures of pinup girls from playboy it's just hilarious man yeah and then like all the computer graphics that they show like it doesn't make any sense like there's like like it almost looks like a those old school computer games that they're like i don't know they're like hacking into this like matrix like system and there's all these silly like graphics on the screen like where are these graphics coming from (laughs) over the top absurd but i mean you know back in the 80s i could fly for oh yeah i bet you that is what it looks like when you're hacking into whatever they were hacking into i guess it was like the government like a military who knows yeah it just cut to some random guy in a room with a bunch of equipment around him like kind of freaking out like holy yeah. crap what's going holy on smokes yeah with a bunch of lights <laughs> going off and smoke and shit anyway yeah and so the first our first uh pick is going to be another ira newborn uh piece that he wrote for the movie so we mentioned a couple of times now ira newborn is basically john hughes that was his go-to uh composer for his uh mu- his movie scores at the time Basically, he had three people on speed dial. Molly Wingwald, Michael C. Hall, damn it, Michael Anthony Hall, and Ira <laughs> Newborn, right? Those are the, the yeah. three that it seems like he went back to over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're going we're gonna to play uh, a song written by Ira Newborn. Uh, the song is actually called Lost on the Internet, which, I mean, think about that back in 85, dude, Lost on the Internet, that was some like... You couldn't even imagine being lost on the internet back in the 80s. Oh. Um, yeah, so this is actually, so this is playing during the scene where they're, you know, just 
pulling out all the stops to try and make this woman from from a computer. So here it is, Ira Newborn's song Lost on the Internet. dope song (laughs) yeah right so i mean have we uh as we've talked about before like this music is very much a thing again you know what i mean with synth wave and to a lesser extent vapor wave but like synth wave music is kind of making a comeback and like i mean there's probably plenty of synth wave artists right now that that wish that they could make a track like that Ira Newborn was a pro. Ira man. Newborn, I mean, he he's very versatile. You know, we've think about the song that we played in um in our Ferris Bueller episode. Totally different. When uh when Ferris and, and Cameron are chatting it up. Yeah. He's a well accomplished musician, this 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 fella. But anyway, yeah, what a perfect song for for the scene, right? Yeah, it's this a classic eighties montage yeah, yes, going definitely. on. You know? But there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Like no wonder that the, the song had to be so so um like wacky and sort of like buried too because like there are uh, there's a ton of i'm gonna (laughs) i almost said weird which is fine there's a ton of weird shit going on there's some weird science going on some weird science all over the place it cuts to like a uh, some random house where this lady's like or the dog is on the roof all of a sudden you know like just wacky stuff all the power that is flowing through you know the power lines and everything it's making all this weird stuff happen. Yeah, basically, the they're channeling all the power that they can into his little tiny system to um, to make this woman. cue. Yeah, to to create this beautiful, intelligent woman. Exactly. So, so Weird Science came out in eighty five. The original Tron movie, eighty two. Okay. Uh, so think about it, dude. They that are that was already in the collective hive mind. You know the the idea of of hacking into a computer to the point that you can you know actually like dive in basically yeah you know so like 
John Hughes took that and ran with it. He took that and he took Frankenstein and he ran with it. And the funny thing is, so the intro clip that we played, the intro us introed in this episode, that is the scene where we're first introduced to Lisa, which is the name that they give this AI woman that they created. You know, what's uh, funny about that is John Hughes got that name from Apple, hmm. the computer company. One of their early computers was called Lisa. Pretty, oh, that's pretty awesome. clever, right? Yeah. And so she has this these like superpowers, you know? She conjures up these super fast sports cars and cha- like magically changes their clothes and creates weird things. I mean, like, it's just absurd. She has like, these abilities. That's where you have to just kind of be like, okay, yeah. I see what's going on here. Um, somehow this computer, like, what is she? Like, what is she? Is she a is she a robot? Is she? It, what it doesn't is she? really ever? Yeah, because she uh, can conjure know. up anything. Like one of the yeah. first things that that she does, right? Like you said, she she puts them in these like fancy clothes because they're going to a bar, and then she conjures up a pink Cadillac for them to cruise around in. Yeah, it's just like I don't. They don't really. Let, let me put it this way: if you're if you're hoping for like some science or some explanation as to how she could do this, you're not gonna get it. So Neil deGrasse Tyson would implode trying to call out all just, the mistakes. Yeah, in this there's movie. No you know way. how he loves to do he that. He does, but I mean, certain movies, yeah. it's like there, there's no point in even bothering. He usually likes to do that on movies that are at least trying to to present real. Uh, Science, like he, I think he famously did it for um, that Sandra Bullock movie, Gravity. Yeah, yeah, he did it like while he was in the film or the movie theater or something like that. Like he was that dude who was tweeting the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so so Lisa is going to help Gary and Wyatt become popular. Right, classic. These underage kids. She's gonna. She's gonna. You know, Jedi mind trick people into thinking that these guys are old enough to drink and shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so let's just dive right into the next song, dude. And guess when it guess when it happens? When does it happen? In an epic '80s party scene. <laughs> of course. I mean, dude, this is one of those classic like. Oh, so the entire student body is in your house right now? Is that what we're like? That's what we're going to believe here. That's what's happening. That's right. Yeah. So so Lisa gets this party going, uh, you know, because. If you're throwing a party at your house, then clearly you're a popular dude and all the girls should hang out with you, you know? So, there is a song by a band called Killing Joke playing in during the party scene. And um, let's play a couple songs from these guys. Uh, the first one appears in the film. And, I mean, right away you're going you're gonna to hear something familiar with this song. Uh, and we're going to talk about it. So... Here is a song called 80s by a band called Killing Joke. Ah. 
All right, so I got to know. Did Kurt Cobain, was he a fan of this band? And then, like, without even realizing it, wrote a riff that was almost verbatim that guitar riff when he wrote Come As You Are? Let, let's let's look this up real quick. I don't know how, I don't know when Kurt Cobain was born, but let's find out real quick with the power of something called Wikipedia. Don't know if you've heard of that. <laughs> came out in 19, so <laughs> I said came out. Kurt Cobain <laughs> came out in 1967, as in he was born. <laughs> uh, so okay. he was... 18 when weird science came out yeah and so this this killing joke song is on on an album called nighttime which came out in 1985 well let's put it this way either cobain heard the song just randomly or just through his own taste in music or whatever or he went out and saw weird science which is likely you know yeah but you know so so that riff was just rolling around in his brain and he he didn't even realize it i i prefer cobain's version of the riff does he get called out for it? Yeah, so I looked it up a little bit. So, from what I can tell, they were they being um, Cobain, or well, Nirvana, the collective Nirvana, and their management company were unsure about releasing uh, "Come as You Are" as a single because they knew that that this would cause some controversy, right? With yeah. um, with the Killing Joke, and. Um, you know, they acknowledged that it was similar, very similar. But um, anyway, so they they put it out, obviously. And, you know, Killing Joke later complained about it. So the reason that they released it is because Goldberg, being the head of the management company for Nirvana, preferred it and, and, and thought it was the, the obvious uh, choice for a commercial song. So basically, their management company was like, yeah, let's just roll the dice here and see what happens. Let's just do it. And, yeah. I mean, it's a great fucking song, obviously. But um, but Killing Joke, they uh, they did claim eventually that Come As You Are plagiarized 80s. Yeah. But according to Rolling Stone, they did not file a copyright infringement lawsuit because of personal and financial reasons. Um, but then Cobain died and that basically killed that, you know. There's no point anymore. But anyway. Well, that's a really cool song, dude. Like, I, I, I don't know much about this band, but but this whole album has that kind of dark, uh, you know, new wave kind of post-punk vibe. I really like it. And we got another song I want to play from this album. Uh, that's really cool. So this one is called Europe.
good stuff. Yeah, uh, I really like this kind of uh, this kind of new wave punk kind of blend, right? Yeah, me too. I really like new wave, man. Um, I like that sound. I think it's like I like modern bands that borrow from new wave, you know. And I, I kind of like kind of like shoegaze. I like what shoegaze has evolved into over time, you know. Right. Like shoegaze has been happening since it started happening, you know, and we've called it dream pop at some point. Like that's another name for it. But um Yeah, and that all stems from new wave. Yeah. And you know, and post punk. Yeah, it does. But yeah, I'm just saying like I really like this branch of the rock tree, you know. Me too. Same with shoegaze. I just uh, they're kinda on the same they're stemming from the same branch, you know. But yeah. Totally. Love it. it. You know, and to me, it just, just sounds like the 80s, man. And uh, I love music from this decade. Yeah, me too. Music that was done, like, right. You know I mean? Obviously, there's a lot of cheesy stuff that came out of the 80s. But I like the... And that's what we like about John Hughes. And that's why we're doing John Hughes tunes. Uh, because this guy was a music fan. And uh, every song that you hear on a John Hughes film was obsessed over, you know? Yeah, and this was the kind of music that was worth searching for. And, you know, back in the 80s, it it was hard to find music that wasn't just getting blasted on the radio, you know? So John Hughes brought all this music to the big screen, which is really cool. Uh, But hey, before we jump into our next pick, let's take a quick break. So the next band we're going to cover... They are called the Del Fuegos, and they're more in the garage rock kind of vein, if you can call it garage rock, you know, back in the early 80s. But so this this uh, song from them happens, it's still, there's still a house party going on, but so what Lisa realizes is that Gary and Wyatt basically are cowards. <laughs> and so her whole existence is to try to help get them the girls you know get them more popular yeah she's so, like this fairy godmother lady that just shows up yeah and like yeah she's like i'm gonna fucking t- turn these nerds into a couple of hunks or whatever with <laughs> yeah, her wand exactly. or <laughs> i don't know whatever godmothers did so she conjures up this like motorcycle gang <laughs> like these just classic villains you know like just bad dudes that come through you know bust through the the window in their motorcycles and just destroy the house and basically it's up to gary and wyatt to take back control of the house and to and to to be the heroes you know that was a goofy scene this movie was all over the place yeah it really was that's when i was like what is what is happening right now so this song is playing, and this is another one of those instances where if you blink, you miss it, you know? The song. Like this song is playing for a, like a few seconds in that scene. Uh, and I'm going to play another song from them, too. So we, we got two songs from the Del Fuegos. Uh, yeah, so this is a song on an album called The Longest Day, which came out in 1984. This song is called Nervous and Shaky.
what's not to like about that, man. I was love actually, the harmonies. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like I don't typically gravitate toward that style. I don't know if the rest of this album sounds like that, but it's kind of Americana. Your, yeah, I don't know. I mean, man. these guys are classified as punk rock, new wave, but I wouldn't classify that song. Now we're gonna play another song from them, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Um, so that you, she said that that plays while the bikers are going through the house or something. No, it's it's like it's at a point where like everything's at a standstill and they're conf- you know they're face to face with these guys. You know something's about to go down and you can hear it playing in the background. So I guess I guess John Hughes was thinking, okay, this song is still playing. You know, like they didn't they didn't stop the music from playing. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to have some soundtrack to the to the carnage but it doesn't fit the scene you know so it's still like it's just party music still going on in the background you know all right so here's another song from that album so again this band is the del fuegos and this song is called out for a ride Yeah, I gotta say, I'm not really, not really feeling this band, Q. Really? Yeah, I'm I not, love that song. Man. That song's great. Yeah, he's a little too Tom Petty for me. His voice kind of reminds me of Tom Petty. That's funny because Tom Petty was a big fan of this band. Really? Uh, he actually, yeah, he actually uh, pulled him on tour with him huh. as an opening act. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, that's another conversation. I've never really been much of a Tom Petty fan. Which... Well, here's who I was reminded of, dude. Uh, I think they were, had some some Polaris vibes in his his vocal okay. delivery, yeah. or, or you know, or Miracle Legion, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely more, uh, yeah, in the, in the Tom Petty vein. I, I would say that's Americana. I feel like Americana fits yeah. the bill. I don't know. And I don't know. Really I really it. don't know what Americana means. Me neither. 
but you know it when you hear it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I'm sorry, Trav. That's all right, man. I was a fan. I was a fan. We can't like everything, you and I. We can't like the same things. We do on quite a bit, but, you know, as we've talked about many a times, I am not a fan of certain bands that you are a fan of. And you're not really a, a metal fan like me. No, but you're you're chipping away at that, dude. Really? Good. Yeah. I will tell you, my journey as a metal fan has been a long and, and winding road. So I think everybody goes on I that mean, journey. I mean, for you, it started in middle school, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, you know. I never jumped on that train, dude. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to jump on that train again, dude, and do some more metal episodes at some point. Totally. Here, here's a thank you. We can't talk about weird science without talking about the fact that a 14-year-old boy actor essentially makes out with like a 24-year-old supermodel on film. Yeah, dude. And how weird that is if you think about it. That was it. weird. <laughs> I mean, that was weird. I, I get it. But at the same time, like, I mean, they didn't have to do that scene. Like... I know why they did it, but it's like she's trying to teach them how to how to kiss so that, I so guess, that they're ready to t- but to, to kiss real girls. Dude, can you imagine? I read, I was reading some stuff about this because I was like, I need to know more about this scene because there's had to have been some shit that went down. We got to shout out the actor. His his name's, I think it's Elon. Elon or Ian? Uh, it's not Ian. It's I L A N. Okay, Elon Michael Smith. Elon Mitchell Smith. Mitchell. I can't read. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's Gary's he's the other dude. So he, he's the computer nerd. So I looked kid. up. He was fourteen when they filmed that kissing scene. Dude. Arguably the kid's his first kiss. Arguably, maybe not. Yeah, but perhaps, perhaps. And he, and they're like, okay, uh, Ilan, here's a supermodel. I mean, she was legitimately a uh, a supermodel. Um, her name is Kelly Kelly LeBrock. She was legit a supermodel, right? From what I from what I read about the scene, is that Elon got so excited during the scene, yeah, that he you know tried to slip some tongue in there, and she's and she basically like said to him, "If you ever do that again, I'm gonna kick your fucking ass." In so many <laughs> words, right? But can you imagine being her, dude? You're like, all right, you got to kiss this 14 year old boy. Yeah. Okay, can and we then, take hey, it again, you know what, though? please? Uh, there is a string of spit coming out of <laughs> yeah, your mouth. Yeah, the boom mic was in the shot. We got to take it again. Yeah. But hey, dude, as long as it's on a Hollywood movie set, it's all kosher, right? But fucking flip flip the genders, dude. They would never film a scene where a 24-year-old male actor is kissing a 14-year-old female actor. Even if it's supposed to be... A, like, yeah, a, a robot a, or whatever AI the fuck it is. Thing that, it's just yeah. weird, man. But anyway... They did it. Um, you know what it is, dude? 80s shenanigans, dude. Here's what here's what John Hughes films teach you. Basically, what John Hughes wanted to do behind the director's chair was live out his boyhood fantasies, basically. <laughs> you know, when you look at it through that lens, like suddenly, 16 Candles makes sense. This movie makes absolute sense. And that was plenty of, of boys' fantasies, right? What happens at Weird Science? And John uh, Hughes just wishes that he was cool like Ferris Bueller and he could just take a day off like right, that. Right, Do whatever he wants. But anyway, uh, you know, I guess that's the thing that made his film so universally adored is that he tapped into a lot of 
kids um experiences in life right but um yeah i just thought that scene i guess when you watch that scene as an adult you're like wait a minute that kid's like 14 and she's like 24 and that's fucking weird <laughs> you don't think about that when you're a kid no you're like oh man i wish i could have done that yeah. so lucky yeah but dude think about the disappointment that basically that set that that kid up for for the rest of his life <laughs> right think about it i've already kissed kelly lebrock right it's like i can only go down uh, oh. <laughs> from here <laughs> yeah but no i hope he hopefully he experienced a true spark you next time he he kissed someone well he got some practice you know yeah he got to practice on a supermodel <laughs> yeah. while while john hughes was sitting there watching With like a creeper bright hot <laughs> yeah. lights shining like, yeah, can we take that again an entire crew just staring at them. Right. <laughs> well, all right, man. That is all I got. Weird science. You. Oh, hey, man. Well, we got to talk about Bill Paxton again. Or we got, or we got to talk about Bill Paxton real quick. So Bill okay. Paxton makes an appearance in this film. And I thought he 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 stole the movie. Or at least I enjoyed his scenes. Like, he was funny. He was uh, funny. Like, he, he was Wyatt's older brother that's just a, a punk. Yeah. Right? He does, like... Um, at least early on in his career, like he was kind of pigeonholed into like jarhead, dopey yeah. jarhead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he yeah. was in Aliens, right? Um, but I think this was one of his first films, first big films. Well, dude, you know who else is in this movie? Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. That's right. A young Iron Man shows up. Robert Downey Jr. plays uh, a boyfriend of one of the girls that they're pining after yeah uh and of course he's a punk and he bullies them him and some, some other guy yeah but yeah dude he's super young in that super young um yeah that's true so yeah there's a lot of a lot of actors that you, you'll recognize in this film if you've been paying attention to if you've been on this planet you'll recognize bill paxton and robert downey jr for sure everybody knows who robert downey jr is i mean the dude he's he's iron Man. landed the role of a lifetime <laughs> Yeah. With Iron Man. Anyway, all right, Q. So we are nearing the home stretch here for Hughes Tunes. We are ending with Pretty in Pink, which I'm excited about. Me too. There's some there's some great artists featured in that film. Yes, sure. definitely. And so obviously, kinda like we did here, we played the song Weird Science. You heard it in the intro at least. We're gonna if not play the song Pretty in Pink by Psychedelic Furs. I want to at least play a psychedelic first song because I like that band quite a bit. Um, yeah. So we'll try to find another song off of the Pretty in Pink, whatever album Pretty in Pink showed up on. Um, and yeah, and we'll pick a couple other songs from other artists on the soundtrack, and then that's gonna do it, man. And then we're gonna we're gonna return to to normal programming in a way um, after that. Yeah, we're gonna kind of get back to our roots. back to the old days, man. Yeah, when we would just pick an album and you know pick non-singles from it, and then just kind of go where the music and the styles take us from from episode to episode. I'm excited to get back into that, dude. Yeah, but we've had some fun. You know, we we went back to school. We played some dad tunes, dove into some Hughes films. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of these kind of themed batches of episodes and. Yes, like you said, it's been fun. Uh, it's been an easy way to kind of keep us focused on a certain type of, of music. But at the same time, it's it's in a lot of ways felt like it's too like restraining and restrictive on us. You know what I mean? Yeah, but think about all the music that we've been able to play that that 
we would have never in a million years played on this. Well, especially during podcast. Hughes Tunes. Um, yeah, dude. But no, I will say that our back to school the episodes that we call them back to school. Though yeah. that's some of the best episodes we've done. Like that's the most fun I've had. Same. Just because we were we were listening to bands that were so important to us back in high school and then middle school and stuff like that. So anyway, but yeah, we're going to get back to sort of um, the regular format of album episode followed by sidetrack episode, which we kind of haven't done the last few months. Yeah. The sidetracks are, have kind of turned into full length episodes. Yeah. So we're going to return to that. And um, yeah. So anyway, hopefully people are excited by that. Um, also, hopefully people have enjoyed our listeners have enjoyed the uh, the themed episodes, but um, but yeah, it'll uh, it'll be uh, it'll be over here soon, and we'll be back to back to our roots queue, which I'm excited about. So anyway, Me too. Um, Me too. it's time for our what you heard segment. It's time, brother, and I got a, a, a great one for you, man. I'd like to go first. Yeah, you go first because I got to pull up some info on this dude that I'm talking about. All right, so this is our segment when we. Each bring a song to the table from an artist uh, that we've heard in between recordings. Uh, and uh, we also have a playlist that we've made on Spotify that we are constantly adding to. Uh, it's our What You Heard playlist uh, that you can find, I believe, if you type in No Filler in the search bar on Spotify. Uh, there's a handful of playlists that we have on there. Uh, and this What You Heard playlist, dude, is... I mean, I want to say it's close to like 11 hours long or longer maybe at this point. There is just... So every every week, we will add our What You Heard song to the playlist. So it's ever-expanding. It's a really random playlist, but it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great music on there. It's 155 songs, dude, at the moment as I'm staring at it now. It's going to be 157 after this episode. Impressive. Yeah, man. So, anyways, yeah, you can find that playlist on Spotify. It's called No Filler Music Pod, What You Heard. And good luck spelling what you heard, by the way. Yeah, good luck. We're not going <laughs> to We had you. to come up with a, with a name for this that was like, wait, how do you spell that? What cha? Yeah, you had what to phonetically what? spell it out. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's a joke because what people are going to be asking is, what you, how do you, what you spell? No, how, how'd, you, how'd you spell How do you spell it? <laughs> yeah. How'd you spell it? How'd you spell it? <laughs> Anyway. All right, Trav. So we're both fans of Toro Imoy, right? Or I talk about a name that's hard to pronounce. Like I've always yeah. uh, struggled. Toro Imoy, I think is what it is. Yeah. His name's Chaz Bundick. I love everything that this guy does. And he recently collaborated with these twins uh, that go by the Matson 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard some of their uh, stuff. They're great, dude. I actually got to see them open for Krongbin. What? You saw Krongbin? Yeah, you didn't know that, I didn't dude? know that. Yeah, I saw him about, a, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I saw him. Damn. Yeah, in Seattle with Elena. It was fucking amazing. Oh, I'm dude, sure. Of course. God damn. That's a Houston-based yeah, band, man. Yeah. Uh, and the Matson 2 opened for them. Anyways, uh, Chaz Bundick, a.k.a. Toro Imois, released an album with them a few years back called Star Stuff. And it was Chaz Bundick meets the Matson 2. And he brought them on again to to play with him. So they're just a jazz duo, drums, guitar, vocals, uh, twin dudes, Jared and Jonathan. Uh, and he likes to work with them. 
And he just released a single, which is actually a cover of a song by an artist named Joe Baton. I think that's how you say that. Uh, he was kind of like a soul singer from the 70s. Uh, it's a great track, dude. So this song is called Ordinary Guy by Toro Imwa featuring the Matson 2. This guy's, I, I mean, he is such a talented musician. He's great. Yeah, and if you listen to the original song uh, by Joe Baton, it's it's really cool what they did with it. Actually, let's just play just a smidge of it, dude. Okay. They they kind of bumped up the the tempo a little bit, changed up the style a, a little bit. So the original song came out on an album from 1969 called "Singing Some Soul." All right, so here again is Joe Baton's Ordinary Guy. Man, I just, I love that stuff, man. That era. Yeah, that, I don't know, Motown, Soul. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, man. yeah what, a, what a great version. Yeah, man. no, really, really, what they did with it was great. Um, yeah, and I'm glad that he brought in the Matson too. Yeah, you know, to lay down the the instruments for him because they're just such a phenomenal jazz duo, dude. Yeah, you know, they got that twin sync. You know, yes, they were amazing live. We man. know all about that, Q. We're the we're we're the self too. Have we ever we're the self? Do we say our our la- have we ever said our last name? <laughs> I don't probably, know if we have probably. or not. Anyway, but yeah, dude, there's something there's something about when you played the original song. There's something like. There's almost like a haunting quality too, maybe because it's just so it just sounds so like it came from another world almost. You know, it's something about the those backing vocals, you yeah. know, and the the oohs and ahs in the background. You know, like since the seventies and the sixties, a little bit, obviously, late sixties on, right? Rock and roll has kind of like repeated itself quite a bit and borrows from. But it doesn't really borrow from that Motown stuff that often, no. right? So that's why it sounds like that sound is so foreign almost. Um, yeah. As far as like, you know, it is so locked in with that era. You know what I mean? I hear you. Yeah, dude. And that's why when you hear it, it's just so like, it's just like, man, like that time is gone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel that way about a lot of uh, Bill Withers. Mm. and his music too yeah. dude there's a lot of that just yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of uh sounds that stayed in their decade you know what i mean and so yeah. but they're timeless yes and just you know yeah all right so anyway all right man what you've what you been hearing lately brother so i mean this is you know, this is no secret to anybody listening but i'm a fan of video game soundtracks q you know this it, is the I first time it. i'm hearing this no Everybody I didn't knows know that. It. So, um, I typically do this where I just bounce around from um, video game composer to video game composer and then click on the more artists like this. And then I eventually end up on another one. And then that's how the rabbit hole you yeah, know, dude. deepens or whatever. We, we know all your secrets. Yes. Probably. But the interesting thing about video game scores right now is that a lot of a lot of electronic artists are doing video game scores so this particular artist i first heard about during our music blog days i featured him on electric saturdays years ago but he's shown up on um plenty of people are familiar with this game because it got quite a bit of attention uh, monument valley did you ever play that game, Q? It was a, it was a phone. Not. It was a game on your phone, but it was called Monument okay. Valley. Um, there's a scene where Assface McGee, um, his name is also uh, what is his name? I mean, that's what is that's what I call him. But he was on um, House of Cards. What was that guy's name? Kevin Spacey. Yes, Kevin Spacey. Um, he deservedly has disappeared from the he, public. He's in hiding. Yes, which yeah. is fine. That's where he, yeah. he needs to stay. But there's a scene where his character is playing this game on the phone, and they even talked about it. So, like, this this game got a lot of attention. So, anyway, great game. Really minimal and just, like... The, yeah, the, I've, I've played it, actually. I, I think I played it on the PS3, maybe. Oh, I didn't know they ported it over to consoles. Maybe I didn't. I don't... I haven't even said the artist's name yet, so I like to... <laughs> 
So this guy's name, he goes by Obfusk. That sounds familiar. Yep. Um, which I guess is kind of short for like obfuscate, right? I don't think that's a word, brother. Yes, it is. <laughs> obfuscate is a word. What does um, that mean? Obf- um, the actual, his obviously name. confiscate. Obfusk means dark or obscure. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, he just recently, last year, he did the score for a video game called Neo Cab. And dude, here's the thing about most video game soundtracks is it's not fucking Mario. You know what I mean? Like these, <laughs> the music to video games a lot of times stand on their own. You know what I mean? And are legit great just albums in general, right? I yeah. almost never play the video game for the soundtrack that I'm listening to. I just like video game scores, right? Anyway, so we're going to listen to a track off of the Neo Cab soundtrack by Obfusk. The song is called Prism Bloom. I like that. <laughs> That's great. Dude. Uh, well, so you like that? Yeah, really. So here's the thing about that that record. There's a lot of, of stuff on there that's just like that, but it's also um, I don't know. It, it is very much a a unified collection of music, if that makes any sense. But they're not all going to be that um, laid back and kind of more chilled, right? Okay. But um, yeah, there's like 30 tracks on there. There's a ton of a ton of music on there. But I have no idea what the game's about. Um, but what I like about video game music more often than not, and that's the thing with 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 video game scores nowadays, you can get super cinematic scores that sound like, you know, a film score. Like if you think about like the God of War soundtrack, um, 
you know any number. or the the journey soundtrack one of my favorite yeah, journey game soundtrack sure yeah but yeah. you also get a lot of stuff like this where like with video games a lot of times the music is background you know what i mean like it's not not necessarily gonna it's more passive it's, yeah sort of passive yeah but at the same time you know it's compelling it and puts you in the mood and gets you in the headspace of whatever environment you're in yeah and that's probably why i gravitated toward it so much because i like a lot of times when i'm working i need the music to just be in the background but it needs to be interesting enough that i can get some enjoyment out of it and like you know maybe it's maybe there's a part that i'm like oh shit that was great let me, yeah. let me rewind the tape on that one and there's lots of Lots of uh, moments in video game scores that, that do that. And that's because they tap into, uh, or they tap electronic artists like Opfusk, you know, to do the score, which is awesome. Yeah, or uh, Disaster Piece, you know? Yeah, Disaster Piece, exactly. Yep. But anyway. Good stuff, dude. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's a random video game score for you. And that's what we like about What You Heard, Q. Yeah, man. And that just that just shows how, how random our What You Heard playlist is is indeed and i'm hoping that just because you know because it's such a huge list that even though it's random it, it'll still be enjoyable to to hit shuffle on you know absolutely yeah i hope i hope so i mean it is it's it's all over the place you know what i mean it's so random dude. <laughs> um so yeah it's an eclectic mix for sure but totally it's from it's from the brain the the collective brain of of, of you and, and and me q so there's probably some sort of thread that you could tie through there Anyway, um, so yeah, that's that. Next week, we're talking about Pretty and Pink to wrap up our batch of episodes devoted to the music featured in John Hughes films. And um, yeah, that's that. You can find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes and show notes pages for each of them, where we feature a track list, which is every song that was played on the episode, including our What You Heard's intros, outros, what have yous. It's all on there. And you can also find show notes. Um, well, that's our, I already said that. You can find sources. Uh, so any sort of article or, or whatever that we may have mentioned or pulled information from, we'll put it on there in case you want to learn more about what we, what we talked about. And uh, you can find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. That is our home and uh, also the home to many other great music-centric podcasts. That's pantheonpodcast.com. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And you're already listening to us right now. So you found just keep us. listening on whatever platform you're on right now. But uh, yeah, you can find us on Spotify, Pandora. All of a sudden, apparently we're on Pandora now, which is random. Like, who the hell uses Pandora? Yeah, I didn't know they, they did podcasts. But if you're listening to us on Pandora, I can tell you confidently that back in the in, in the day when Pandora was like the new hotness, I found plenty of great tunes on Pandora, man. Pandora was great. Still is, apparently. I'm sure they've improved their algorithms and whatnot. But um, <laughs> yeah. Pandora was like the OG um, like music... What did they call it? They Discovery had a name for it. Outlet. They had it was a, a radio. It, it was it was radio. They called yeah, it. Yeah, I know, but they had like a name behind their technology or whatever. It was like uh Oh, I don't know. It was something, man. Oh, the Music Genome Project. That's what it was. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, cool. But that's how they mapped songs together, you know? Like this song features, you know, 
synth keyboard. So we're going to pair it with this one or whatever. Um, but yeah, once I, once I joined Span, uh, Span, I was about to say Spandora. Once I joined Spotify, like uh, that, that was just the end for me. Spotify has taken my money for years. So sorry, Pandora, but we're glad that you can listen to no filler on Pandora. Um, and a bunch of other platforms. So anyway, um, yeah, that's that. That's the end of my my outro cue. Yes, thank you, Travis, for for always being being the one that that takes us home. Appreciate I just it. like I fall into a trance and just say the outro because I've said it so many times. I'm so glad you do, man. because yeah. because that's a lot of words. That's a lot. It of, is a lot of speak. Well, we've got an outro, dude, to play uh, a band called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. They've got a song called Tesla Girls that shows up in a mall scene in the movie. Gary and Wyatt are getting bullied by Robert Downey, or by Robert Downey Jr. and his and his friend. Rob uh, Robert. <laughs> and this song's playing in the background. Uh, but we're going to outro out with one of your favorite songs by OMD. Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. That's it. Man, that's another band, Q. Another band that showed up on my Electric Saturdays. You know, I have a, a playlist um, queue. Back when we pulled the site down, I went through the database export and made a playlist on Spotify of as many of the Electric Saturday songs that I could find on Spotify. I have That's that. That's cool. Um, and yeah, so for those of you who don't know, we used to have a music blog way back in the yes, day we did. called new dust it was called new dust and, and um travis had a, a an electric saturdays uh post i had post a weekly yeah. a weekly post came out on saturdays where i literally just picked two electronic songs and, and played them um and that's kind of where my sort of deep dive into electronic music started because i would try to i would try to bounce around you know but yeah. anyway um yeah so the song here by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. It's called Radio Waves. And it's a dope-ass song, man. I love this song. It's great. Came off of their 1983 record, Dazzle Ships. And um, yeah, that's that. That's going to close us out here, Q. So um, yeah, check us out next week. We're going to talk about Pretty in Pink. And that'll do it for us, Q. Yes. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name's Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 